Welcome again to one of the Cood Street 10 Minutes with Mini Podcasts. This is Gary Wolf, and today I am delighted to be talking to multi-talented, multi-genred Elizabeth Hand. How are you, Elizabeth? I'm I'm good, Gary. How are you? I'm, I'm doing fine. Considered. <laughs> well, all things yeah. considered, yeah. <laughs> but um, you, 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 how do you feel about the multi-genre thing? I was uh, thinking about the fact that you've got well, a lot of different science fiction, fantasy, mystery, noir, uh, whatever curious toys is. Historical fiction. Yeah, historical, so, yeah. comic books. Comic books. Uh, Boba Fett. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I was going to say movies. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm good with it. You know, I, I feel like uh, I always wanted to be a working writer and I never felt I going in, you know, beginning my career when I didn't know it was uh-huh. going to be a career 32 however many years ago I just kind of perhaps naively or stupidly assumed I would be able to write whatever I wanted uh-huh. and um, I feel very fortunate that that's pretty much been the case so I just you know I have a I have a, a low boredom threshold uh-huh. so I I've never really wanted to repeat doing something so I, I always want to try something different and you know i'll do the same thing again obviously i'll do you know tales of terror or whatever you want to call oh, them yeah. unease or um uh dark fantasy or the crime you know noir novels or historical novels which i really enjoy um but i i, I just like to try something different um otherwise i just find that i i get bored and I, you know, I reach a point, I'm like, eh, you know, I don't really want to do this. I want to do something else. So, which probably, well, not probably, which definitely can drive my agent and editors <laughs> sometimes crazy. Well, but, I mean, um, it gives you multiple readerships. I assume there's a good deal of crossover. I mean, a lot of people I know uh, who loved, uh, you know, who love your fantasy novels or science fiction also love the Castaneri novels. Um, yeah, I've been very lucky in that I have had a lot of crossover. I, I think that the people who really, you know, who really grok my work, who really uh, will read anything I write, they'll kind of read it in different genres. They'll read whatever I do and, yeah. and they find something there. I mean, some some of them definitely, well, I like this, you know, I like her fantasy better than I like the noir novels, but they'll yeah. read them both. And And some people will, you know, also just read, the the noir novels the crime novels you know some people will just right. read the more um you know uh supernatural stuff um and and i'm fine with that but then i think a lot of times there are people who do who kind of you know decide they'll peek over the fence and see what's in the next field and and then they climb over and you know go to take a closer look so you're doing, um, us, all, yeah. you're doing us all a favor then well does, <laughs> is your uh, reading reflect the same kind of eclecticism. I mean, one of the things that we're fascinated about in these little short podcasts is what what people really do read, especially now. I, I read anything. I'm a very Catholic, lowercase C reader. <laughs> you know, I, I was the kind of kid who, if there was nothing else to read, I would start reading. You know, the ingredients on the cough medicine or the yeah. cereal box or something. So, yeah, I'll, I'll read anything. I um. I get uh, obviously I do a lot of book reviews, so I will often get assigned things to read that I might not ordinarily have heard of or read. And uh, more often than not, I really enjoy it. Um, 
And uh, for my own reading, it's just kind of what I, whatever I'm in the mood for. I um, a few weeks ago, I just, I was having a hard time settling in to decide what I felt like reading because I was uh-huh. just in sort of one of these crisis points during the pandemic where I was just you know waking up every day with this intense dread. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to read that's going to help, you know, distract me from this? And I, I fortunately had a, a book to review, which I loved, which uh, for The Washington Post, which was Megan Campisi's first novel called Sin Eater, which is which reads pretty much like a straightforward historical novel set in Tudor, England. But it is, in fact, an alternate history of Tudor. England. Really? And that was wonderful. And that and that was a great book. Um yeah. Uh, kind of reminiscent of The Handmaid's Tale in some ways. Um, definitely, a, a, you know, a feminist novel. Really, really good novel. And I finished that and I had I thought, OK, well, I I don't have another. My next book review deadline is a month off. What do I do? And I was wandering through the house. And, uh-huh. you know, we've got, you know, thousands of books. And, and it was one of these things where everything I took off the shelf, I would start to read or put it down. And I looked at, you know, newer books that were around and I. I and then I went upstairs and on a shelf, you know, not filed alphabetically the way John has everything filed. Yeah. Just right. like on this random shelf where <laughs> stuff got uh, stuck. There was an Ann Patchett novel called State of Wonder, which I have no idea how it got in the house. I, I don't know where it came from. Uh, you know, John didn't remember it. There was no indication. It, it came out about 10 years ago. And I picked it up and I read it and I loved it. It is this completely weird book that actually, in fact, has a science fictional element, although you would never know it from the copy really? or anything else unless you read it. Um, about a woman who works for a large pharmaceutical company in the Midwest and she uh, they have a, a research station in the Amazon where one of their research scientists has been, been doing work into uh, a sort of a longevity dr- drug. Huh. Um, and this woman, and one of the researchers down there dies. So the protagonist goes down to the Amazon to find out what happened. And it's this weird sort of mashup of heart of darkness and lost horizon. Really? I mean, yeah. Because the drug is actually, uh, it's, it's made from, well, I won't tell you what it's made from, but it's made from something that you find in this, in the Amazon. And she, okay. she creates this quite believable indigenous culture. Um, and, uh, but, but what the, the drug does, it allows women to bear children until they're in their seventies or their eighties. So there's this sort of lost tribe in the Amazon where the women continue into their childbearing years. So they're, you know, octogenarians. Anyway, mm-hmm. it was a great book. <laughs> Very strange and and very very beautiful and um, I really loved it. I really loved it. Uh, now yeah. I'm reading um, Louise Erdrich's Love Medicine. I, I love her work and I just sort of randomly will f- be somewhere and find one of her books and I'll pick it up and uh, start reading it. So I'd never read that before. That's so I'm kind of her, one of her classics. It is. It is. And I've I've read her books all out of order. I I just my mother. I'm you know with my parents at the moment and. Um, uh, my mom is a big Louise Erdrich fan, and so uh-huh. I, over the years, I've borrowed a lot of the books from her, and I've, I've read her, not all, but many of her most recent novels, but it's sort of been more hit and miss with her earlier stuff. So yeah, so I'm reading Love Medicine, and 
that's great, but I'm almost finished it. And I'm going to finish it tonight. And I need to figure out what I'm going to read <laughs> next. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be heading back to Maine tomorrow. So I will have to figure out what that will be. Um, Do you ever listen to audiobooks when you're driving? You know what? I don't. I think I don't I've, I've listened to I've listened to Carrie Fisher's Wishful Drinking uh-huh. <laughs> many years ago because a friend gave it to me, and I I listened to um, uh, some anthology of stories that was I can't remember what it was, and, and it was not a Stephen King collection. It was an anthology, but it had. The Ballad of the, the Flexible Bullet, which is such a brilliant Stephen King. That is. That's, yeah. I listen to that. and But no, I find that when I'm driving, if I'm driving in the country, you know, if I'm driving in Maine, I want to be able to focus on the countryside because it's beautiful. Well, yeah. I like that makes a lot of sense. And if I'm driving on 495 or something, you know, 95 or something, I, I'm focused too much on the traffic to really allow myself to be distracted so I oh, that makes, yeah I, i'm the same thing well to get back to another question that we had you'd mentioned how much you liked louise erdrich would would you list her as one of those comfort reads for that you would recommend people to look at during a stressful time or are there such things as comfort reads yeah you know i don't know if when i think of a comfort read because i'm also sort of doing this just like a few pages a day um yeah rereading the fellowship of the rings um in part you know telling myself it's in preparation because I, well anyway i i'm going to be writing about something talking related so um uh so for me that's more like comfort reading or, or uh laurie colwin um and you know sometimes antiquarian ghost stories i'm not sure whether i would call louise erdrich comfort reading in the sense that I find some of her stories quite dis- disquieting, mm-hmm. but they're certainly they're utterly captivating and absorbing. Um, I guess when I think of comfort reading, it's not that I'm thinking of stuff that's mindless, but for me, it tends to be more things that I have read before. Well, um, you mentioned so I, antiquary uh, ghost stories. Were you referring specifically to M.R. James? Yeah, his kind of yeah, his kind of stories, or you know, Arthur Mackin or right. Robert Aikman, um, stories that are I guess are set enough in a distant, non-existent past um, that I don't feel you know whatever threatening things happen in them, I don't feel personally threatened by them. Right. The last thing in the world I would want to read right now. I mean, I read about people who are reading um, uh, Wright's new book about you know, a pandemic and right. uh, other books like that, and which I'm sure, are, you know, great books. And once upon a time or maybe sometime in the future, I will be utterly absorbed by them. But I can't even imagine reading that right now. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I mean, one of the things you mentioned, Lost Horizon, of course, now the economic news is it's not just a pandemic. It's the whole Great Depression sort of thing. Yeah, the, the one of the the best selling novels during the Great Depression were Lost Horizon and Gone with the Wind and uh, and, and that sort of thing. So I think and initially there's a kind of fascination with the mechanics of what horrible things are happening in the world, but but then at some point people say I've had enough of reality. You know, I want to fly off to Asia and find Shangri La. Yeah, and I, well, and I think people too. I mean. Um 
excuse me, uh, crime novels certainly seem to be, you know, they're continuing to be produced and read, you know, crime series, streaming series, detective series and things like that. Um, And I think a lot of people read those for comfort reading. I I think I do sometimes as well, but not not really all that often, um, Mm. because I think you are kind of able to lose yourself in the whodunit aspect, you know, even Nordic noir Scandinavian well, noir stories yeah. are, you know, can be kind of comforting in a way because uh, they're very dark. But um, I think the reader has a level of detachment from that. And because they often tend to be character driven, um, like, say, the right. Wallander novels. Um, it's something in, in, in any mystery novel, I suppose, something gets solved. I think starting starting with the hard boiled writers and continuing right into Scandinavian noir, we now realize that the solving the mystery or solving a particular murder doesn't fix the world and the characters like your character are still damaged and there are still problems, but at least something in the world gets fixed. Right. And I, th- and I think people like, you know, I think with, with those kind of series mysteries um, and I think with other series novels, with urban fantasy or supernatural novels, mm-hmm. I think people like, tagging along with whomever the protagonist is right you know a recurring central character and and cast of characters not just a central character but the sidekicks um i've been watching for like the third time for comfort viewing the the british series detectorists with Mm -hmm. Mackenzie crook and uh toby jones which i adore and i don't know if you've seen it or not i haven't seen it at all it's like if there is an opposite of folk horror, it would be detectorist because it sort of takes so many of the elements of folk horror and reverses them into something totally benign and charming. Oh, there's not not, you know, not what I would call there's no supernatural element in it, but it's steeped in the archaeological and kind of mythic history of England. It's contemporary. And it has this very funny, offbeat cast of small cast of characters. And it's just like very quiet, low key, really funny. But but the humor completely comes out of the characters and, and just falling in love with these characters who seem, at least to me, who lives in rural Maine, um, very familiar types. Like I, I, you know, was watching the show with my parents and this one character entered and they were like, Oh my God, he's just like Bruce <laughs> referring to, to my late friend, Bruce. And, and he is, you know, it's like, it, it sort of has these archetypal characters. Um, and, and I think people, when people read series books, crime novels, whatever, I think there is some of that there. I think if they're done well, I think uh, the author creates a sort of archetypal character or cast of characters and readers can return to them and sort of reimmerse themselves back into that uh, mythos, yeah. well, even if it's not a you know supernatural or fantastic uh, mythos at all. That brings us to our, what uh, what really is the last question I want to ask. It'll be a a little while, I guess, before the next Cast Neri novel is actually out. But what else have you got out in the world now or coming out that you'd like us to know about? Well, the fourth Cast Neri novel will be out in September. Oh, and, September. I thought it was late. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be out in September. It's called The Book of Lamps and Banners. Uh, it's it's I think it's cool in a way. We'll see what happens with the more traditional conventional you know, crime establishment, because yeah. it takes 
some it, it has more elements in it, I think, that would appeal to my readers who read, you know, who've read my science fiction or fantasy or, or you know, mm. more supernaturally tinged stuff. There's always sort of a flicker of that in the cast books. And this yeah. one um, kind of goes a little more out there on that on that stuff. <laughs> OK, so, good. yeah. So that'll be out in the fall. And I have two. Uh, I wrote two short stories fairly recently, which are actually both good stories, or, but one is going to be out in an anthology and, and one uh, is going to be out in a forthcoming issue of Conjunctions. And it felt really good to write something that I, I felt good about, you know, they were both strong stories. I don't, I don't always feel like that with my short fiction. I kind of know, okay, well, this one's all right, but it's not great. But these, I think, are both really strong. So um, they'll be out sometime, the Conjunctions one, certainly later this year. Uh, in the uh, what is it called? Grendel's Kin. It's the theme issue that's devoted to monsters. Yeah, they're doing uh, a lot of theme issues now. Yeah. What's the title of the story? It's called The Owl Count, and it's uh, it's inspired by um, real experiences I had with my friend Coraline in Maine, where every year we would go out and do the 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 owl count for the state of Maine, you, you oh. go out between midnight and 4 a.m. and you play a recording of owl calls and you basically stand there in the frigid dark <laughs> in the <laughs> middle of nowhere uh, and wait to hear if any owls call back. So it's, it's a, um, it's a scary story. And, uh, and I think it is a scary story. So um, I was really happy with it. It's something I've been wanting. I started work on an earlier version of it 11 years ago. Wow. And uh, and set it aside. Um, I had the title and I kind of knew what I wanted to happen, but I uh, wanted to happen. But it was only when I sat down to write it and I figured out, oh, OK, that's yeah, that's how it's going to go. So, yeah. So that was very satisfying to, you know, it's also satisfying for me. That's like comfort writing, writing that kind of stuff. Right. That was, that well, was fun. Oh, we're over our time, but uh, uh, those are certainly things to look forward to. And it's great news that the new cast area is coming out earlier than I thought. Again, our guest today has been Elizabeth Hand. Thank you so much, Liz. You are so welcome, Gary. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you.